Welcome to the Beautiful Project podcast, a space for women to share the extraordinary truths they know about their bodies and their ambitions and all of the parts they believe to be too big in a world that would prefer they shrink. These women are the change makers. If I can do anything, I want to be able to inspire people to just be their best. They are a voice of kindness. What I know is that you can give yourself love right now and that you're deserving of that love right now. They are a creative force unlike any other, helping all of us to see that the path to freedom can be found together. Now, it's not only just a movement, it's really become this collective. These are the voices in our chorus of courage. It doesn't matter how many doors close in your face, you just go back and you open them again. Go make something that you love making. And just, you know, just go ahead and do it. So let's listen in as they sing. Welcome back to season three of the Beautiful Project podcast, The Mamas and the Makers. This is a season dedicated entirely to celebrating the way that women show up in the world as a creative force. In this season, we're showcasing the work of women who know what it means to take up space by making something new. And today's guest definitely knows something about that. Today, we're on the microphone with Brandi Donaldson, and um, <clears throat> which is it's often true for many guests that I only sort of know them. Brandi and I have had one conversation together. It was like three and a half years ago. And um, that single conversation changed an entire worldview for me. And I'm sure that that isn't necessarily what Brandy thought she was showing up to do that night. But um, I have had the privilege and honor of just watching the work that Brandy does in our community. And when I thought about women who are a creative force, uh, she came to mind. And gratefully, she said yes to sharing this conversation with me. So thank you for that, Brandy. You're very welcome. So I want to invite you just to open up by telling um, the people a little bit about who you are and about what you're doing. Okay, well, who I am, you know, I I don't consider myself, um, you know, anything special out in the world. I'm just someone who decided that whatever space I'm going to take up in the world, I'm going to contribute to it. I'm going to have a meaningful impact wherever I decide to be. So um, I grew up in Arkansas, a very small town, um, went to high school, went to college. Um, after college, uh, I was a journalism major, so I always wanted to be a news reporter. So right after college, that's what I went and did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found a newspaper job in a small town in Missouri. That job led to uh, me taking a job here in the Quad Cities for uh, the uh, local newspaper. So that's how I got to the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I got here... Um, I I was the only news reporter at the time. Um, There were two news reporters of color in the whole Quad Cities. Uh, Obviously, that's changed for the better uh, today. But at that time, there was just two of us. We were both at the same newspaper. Um, The other gentleman left. That just left me. Mm. And and I saw a lot of voids in the community. There were a lot of stories that were not being told. Mm -hmm. Uh, People of color were doing great things. There were a lot of um, very interesting people that were not... Um, getting much attention in the news, and it seemed 
that I really had to just really take it upon myself to go out and tell these stories. And so I kind of took that mantle up. That led to me really getting involved in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because I met some amazing people who were very inspirational. Yeah. Uh, because they were doing things that were making big impacts, and they weren't doing it for attention because they weren't getting any attention. All right. Um, and they weren't <laughs> they weren't doing it for any type of notoriety yeah. or praise. They were just in their communities, making a difference. And so that really opened my eyes to what you can do and what the possibilities are. Even if you feel like you're just a small person, or you're just you know. Um, even if you feel like you're a small fish, you know, in a big pond, mm-hmm. you can you can really make a big splash still. And so that's really how I um, became to start diving into the community, into the Quad Cities, finding all these different ways that our community needed help, mm-hmm. um, needed people who cared, um, and also getting involved with things that um, that I thought would lead to progress and that I thought would help our community or just my segment of the community, whether it was uh, the black community or the LGBT community or women, you know, all those things are uh, a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I, I just started using my time in ways that I thought would make an impact. You said something interesting there, and maybe I picked up on something that wasn't there, but you said, I started doing things that I thought would help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, my philosophy on um, being a doer or yeah. uh, being philanthropic or whatever you want to call it, I cannot change the world. Yeah. I've never had the attitude of I'm going to go out here and change the world. I've never really had the attitude that I can change people. Uh, I don't know everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know what drives people. But I know that I can use my voice. Mm-hmm. And I know that I can stand up for what is right. Mm-hmm. And if I do that and I'm satisfied in the way that I do that, I can just hope that it has an impact, and I can hope that it helps. And a lot of times it does. Yeah. It most definitely does. Um, again, no one person can change the world. No one organization can change the world. You can't even really uh, just go into it that you're going to change people's minds. You have to be a voice, and you have to stand up for what you think is right. And stay in your truth. Don't let people take you outside of what you know to be true. And I know a lot of things to be true about uh, justice, about equality, about um, inclusion. I know a lot of things to be true because I live in those spaces because of who I am. You know, I'm a gay black woman, so I live in spaces that require inclusion, that require equality, Mm -hmm. um, that require um, understanding, not just tolerance. And so being that I live in those spaces anyway. Right. I can probably do something to help others yeah. Yeah. Who, who are in those spaces or, or who try to navigate just how to be better. So uh, I have two questions that I want to ask about this. So we're at this point, we're up until the, so you're still a reporter at this point in the mm-hmm. story. I, the first question I want to ask is, was there a story you were telling at that time? Or is there, do you have like a memory where you go, that was an incredible experience? I I think I have several of those memories uh, reporting in the Quad Cities. I've done stories, again, about people who are now very good friends of mine, people who I consider mentors, people who may have been a source but turned into uh, someone who really impacted my way of thinking or impacted Mm. uh, what I wanted to do. Um, I have done uh, stories um, in the immigrant community that really— uh, drove me and and really um, stirred me because I did not grow up around a lot of diversity. 
So I did not have um, a lot of experience with um, people who were not uh, native to the United States or people who were coming from other circumstances and coming into our country and what their lives were like. I didn't grow up around a lot of that. So coming here and, and actually approaching those stories and being able to go into those communities, especially the West African community, specifically here in the Quad Cities, um, that really stirred me mm-hmm. because it it, it uh, introduced me to, again, something else that I became passionate about, and that is, you know, that everyone should be, no matter where you live, you should be free to live how you'd like to live. You should be free to hold on to your customs, hold on to your language, hold on to who you are and not have to be forced to assimilate. Mm -hmm. And again, I did not come from an area that um, taught me those lessons. I learned those lessons here. Mm -hmm. And I learned those lessons by going into that community and telling, pulling stories out. Mm. Um, There was a a series that I did once um, just about the refugee community Mm -hmm. uh, because we do have a large, we still have a large refugee community in the Quad Cities, and they are from around the world. Yep, we do. African communities, uh, Middle Eastern communities, just from from a, a, a lot of different places. And so I um, I did a whole, and the series actually ended up being award-winning, ended up doing a series where I went and I spent time with people in their homes. And I sat and I watched them cook and I watched them interact with their children and I watched them um, do their crafts that, uh, that they know to do. Um, I, I watched them play soccer. I watched them do different, just living their life. And um, talking to them about their experiences here. And also um, talking to people who uh, were helping them to um, assimilate and helping them to navigate this new world uh, that many of them did not get thrust into by choice. Um, Many of them were escaping some very, very horrible conditions. Um, And, you know, here you are in this place and it's just trying to find out how do you make a living? How mm-hmm. do you how do you know how to drive the car and where to go and what to do? How do you get a driver's license? How do you mm-hmm. go to the grocery store and find the things that you want? Because, you know, the <laughs> the town grocery store may not have this ingredient that's from your country and yep. you're used to cooking this certain way and yep. all these different things that it was very eye opening and it was beautiful at the same time because it gave me a new sense of um, awareness. And it gave me something else that I could care about and that I could stand up for. I think that's a really amazing story. So I, I'm on the board of a nonprofit that is working with the refugee population. And you made a point about navigating versus assimilating, right? Mm-hmm. Like this idea that we need people to lose their culture and become just like us, quote unquote. And so we work really hard to counter that. But you're, there is the necessity of navigation, Um we were talking once about uh, one of the clients that we had, or we don't even call them clients. I, it's the wrong word. But they didn't know how to use the ATM because the ATM is like um, witchcraft to them. Like, why would you be able to stick it? Literally, like, why can you stick a card in and money comes out? And these are not things that we have any conscious awareness of because it is our, it's the air we breathe, right? And um, I love that you drew that story out. You said it was an award-winning piece. Can people still find it somewhere? Yeah, it's it's QCOnline.com. Okay. This is when I, I was a reporter for the Dispatch and Argus newspaper, okay. um, which now is, is owned by uh, the Times. But QCOnline.com, if 
it would probably be a matter of searching. Okay. Maybe my name plus refugee. Cool. Maybe yeah. um, it would probably come up. Um, but yeah, most most of everything that I've um, published as far as newspaper goes, QC online. I mean, I go back sometimes and find. Yeah. Things that I, I, I want to just remember right. or that I want to think about. Right. Um, so searching my name, you're going to find five years worth of stuff. Yeah. But maybe maybe <laughs> <And> add, refugee. <laughs> exactly. Maybe add the word refugee and that may narrow it down just a, a bit. But, or I mean, you can just go read everything she's written. I'm okay with that's that too. Fine too. Yeah. That's too. That's completely fine. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my time as a reporter. I honestly, um, that's what I thought I was going to do for my entire life. And uh, that's what I always wanted to do. And I came here uh, after having a couple years experience, but I loved my time as a reporter. I'm a very inquisitive person. I'm very nosy. So being a reporter was great for me because I was able to go out and kind of satisfy my own curiosities and and find. And I also, I covered politics. So that kind of got me uh, really interested in the political process, which I'm still very much, uh, I pay very much attention to um, and get involved in when I can. But so... You know, being a reporter in this area really did it. Um, it gave me some experience that is invaluable. And and the reason I stopped being a reporter it was just really out of making a living and yeah. um, wanting to have a little bit uh, more f- uh, flexibility. I feel bad for reporters because they don't get the opportunity really anymore to dive into anything. Right. They don't have beats. You know, they get sent here, they get sent there. They they're never really to concentrate. I was able to concentrate on one area, mm-hmm. and then I was able to you know feature things as I saw fit. But now, I mean, reporters just get they get spread thin, and it's I mean it's a different business. I I don't know if I'd be very good at it anymore. Yeah, I was gonna ask if there's some. I'm sure there is some sadness about <clears throat> the shift in the industry because you are a storyteller, and stories. I obviously the reason that the beautiful project exists is because. I think there's tremendous power in our stories. There is, and uh, our our words make things real, and uh, and there's healing. There's just a lot that can happen when we really have a chance to put the words on the outside of us. So, there would be an enormous amount if I were you and felt an affinity for that industry. There'd have to be a ton of sadness about the shift in it because yikes, it's not the same. It's mm-hmm. not what you're describing anymore. No, so, not, not really. I, I read news now and I watch news and I'm always like, wow, I, I can't even, I don't even know how we're doing stories like this. There's one-sided stories or one-source stories. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's mind-boggling because it's not, something else that is, is very important with journalism is you are the historical record yeah. for wherever you are. Yeah. So, you know. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years from now, when people want to know what was happening in 2020 in the Quad Cities, they're going to go to their news archives. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be the the record for what was happening in this community. Just like now, you know, we can go, our, our local newspapers go back a very long time. So when we want to know about things that happen, you know, way in the past, the first thing you do is check your news yeah. archives. Yeah. And they're going to see a completely different type of yeah. Uh, story and it's not necessarily in my opinion going to be the accurate reflection of what was truly happening during this time so that's another a bad side effect I think to the another way that in- yeah. industry is changing but that's why also I love the fact that there are more more and more people like you who are having ideas and building their own platforms to tell stories yep that's for me also I even started my own website for that very reason mm-hmm. I got um I got really uh, frustrated with trying to be a part of other people's storytelling, be it the media or I never felt like I was getting my entire voice out there. Even social media for me was very stifling mm-hmm. because social media, you just, you know, you post things and 
the next day they're gone. Yep. You know, you can barely even find them anymore yourself the next day. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would look for something that I posted weeks ago and it's Couldn't like, I can't, it. I yeah. can't, I can't even do the, you know, there, there's no, um, there's no really record of things there. So I just went out and, and just launched my own website and I'm using that as my voice, as my forum. And then it's also going to be kind of a, my own little personal historical record because I'm going to mm. be able to, you know, look back years from now and kind of see progression, hopefully. Hopefully see progression, and then also as my passions and as uh, my desires change, I'll be able to kind of use that to tap into, you know, some of the things that maybe are in the past. Awesome. I was hoping you'd talk about the website because that was the other thing that kind of brought you um, back into my, like, conscious awareness about your creativity. I'm always aware that, like I said, I I do think that you – and whether you intend to or not, that you do make change. Um, like you said, you're not trying to change anybody. You're just being you. But the authenticity of that actually mm-hmm. has ripples. It did on me and not just me. People always um, have a lot of very favorable things to say about how you show up in the world completely with all of who you are. And I think that's extraordinary. But I was hoping you would move to the website because there is a – so you left in 2012 – and we're in 2020, so there was some. You did some work in between there. Certainly. Um, when I first met you, you were at our local chamber, mm-hmm. and you were doing some really pretty. In my at the time, for me, it was pretty visible stuff on on behalf of um, the chamber and the mm-hmm. community. Some exciting new things at the time. Um, so, were you able to exercise creativity in that in that space since you left journalism? Yes, but I will say my my career um, has transitioned into corporate communications, and so you know how that is. Yep. I mean, you work for a company, you focus on their messaging, yep. and you know you do get to exercise some creativity there. But it's not about you; yeah. it's nothing about you and your passions. You're working for a company, yep. and uh, that's how I make a living, so that I can you know live and you know pay bills out here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what leaving journalism did allow me to do is then to um, make my voice a little louder, my personal voice. And even after I, I stopped being employed by the paper, I continued to write a guest column, which was an opinion piece. Oh nice. So that was great. They would let me write about just whatever in the community was going on. So I was able to pick topics. And, um, you know, they didn't stifle it at all. It was just whatever I was writing about. And so I did that for a couple of years. And, again, it wasn't my personal platform. I was still using a media platform. Mm -hmm. So I was still, you know, limited. I couldn't write every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't write a column, you know, every week. You know, I think I had a – I think it was a once a month column, I think, is what I was doing. Maybe once a month or every other week or something like that. But um, so – and then I was still continuing my own career. Um, But I I, – again – while I was making a living, I always stayed in my community and I always stayed invested and involved uh, in things that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I have found new ways to exercise um, that community passion uh, because there have been new things that have come along. There have been projects that have come and gone. There have been projects that I've gotten involved with and I've backed away from. I was like, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not going to accomplish what what I feel like I need to be involved in. And there have been things, um, even to this day, I'm still, you know, trying new things, trying new ways to just improve, like I said, just improve my space, my corner of the world where I am. Um, I'm still, the the website, which is um, Mm brandydonaldson.com. We'll link to it in the show notes too. That for me is just, 
no holds barred my personal platform. I don't need permission. I don't need um, to make it fit into anything else. If you get on the website, you're going to start, you're going to see some things that are going to look pretty random. It's like one minute I'm talking about um, grief and, and losing a loved one. And the next minute, I'm probably talking about, you know, racism and social justice. But I can do that because it's, you know, I just wanted something that was mine that uh, was totally my voice. And if anybody ever wonders what's in my head or what I'm thinking, that's a platform you can go to. You can see, you know, who I am, what I'm about, what I'm doing. And again, that's going to always be there. Um, You know, I don't feel any pressure with that because it is literally what I am feeling in any given moment Mm -hmm. or what I am giving my attention to. In any given moment, sometimes I don't give my attention to anything. Sometimes I'm just at home with the dog, and that's all I want to do. You know, sip tequila. What's his name? Tater. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big Tater. Uh, so sometimes it's just about me and him, and, and some good te- and some good tequila on the couch. Uh, but I, I I find it hard to not be involved. I I got to be honest. I I really find it hard to sit back and just watch. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult for me to do that because I have this really deeply ingrained sense of. Um, I guess you can call it right or wrong. I don't know if you call it right or wrong or if you, I just, I feel like I have a a deeply ingrained sense of what's just uh, for human beings, not just for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's an injustice that's being perpetrated towards someone and they look nothing like me or are nothing like me, that I can get a passion about that too. But I get a, I have enough on my plate just being who I am, (laughs) you know, just being a part of these marginalized communities that I find myself in wouldn't change anything about myself. I wouldn't change the fact that I'm black. I would not change the fact that I'm gay. Would not change the fact that I'm a woman. However, those three groups of people get treated the worst in our society, by and large. Not always, but by and large. So that gives me a lot to fight for right there, just waking up in the morning and being exactly who I am. And when I walk out the door, I'm presenting the world who who I am. I'm not going to ever shrink back from that. I haven't always been that way. I mean, I... Up until my mid to late 20s, I was kind of one of those people who I didn't really know what I wanted to be passionate. I I just knew I had things in my head, but I didn't. I kind of sat back and I kind of just observed. But when I hit a certain point, um, and it was about my mid to late 20s, shortly after I got here to the Quad Cities, that's when I realized I've got got to do things. I've got to do, you know, I can't just sit back. I have to do. You know, I have to be involved and I I have talents that can help. Yeah. Um, and again, the whole point, you just hope it leads to progress. Yep. You hope. You hope it leads. I hate, it, to, I hate to keep saying hope, but that's all you can do is hope. <laughs> oh, I think that's about all we have. I mean, seriously. It, it, and, yeah. and when that, when we lose that, uh, if we lose that, it it changes the game in a way that I I don't even really want to entertain. Yeah, and right? I do lose it sometimes. Oh, I so got to be honest. Um, I'm just grateful it circles the block for me. It still comes <laughs> yeah, back, but I'm, yeah. yeah. I lose it, and and typically when I lose that hope, I, I become angry. Yeah. Um, I'm not an extremely emotional person, um, but anger is probably the emotion that I use the most. Yeah. Um, because when I get angry about something, I mean, it's, it's, it's serious. Yeah. Because anger stirs me to uh, action. Um, whereas sadness just kind of keeps me down, mm-hmm. um, and you know, all the other emotions, but anger, once I get angry about something, you better believe you're going to hear my voice or you're going to see me, you know, in action if I am angry. And, and, and I, I have experienced so 
much in the way of results by exercising my anger in a positive way. You, I have to use it. I have to use it anger. Otherwise, it just maybe it's internalized and it just will eat you from the inside. Or, you know, if you don't, if I don't put it in the right spaces, then I just I'm just out here sniping at people that don't deserve it. So, yeah, I put my anger to work for me. I think that um, I would really like to invite you to tell one of the stories. I'm sure you have a million of them, but the one that I no- <clears throat> I noticed recently that was pretty uh, <clears throat> public in the local community. And I, I'll specify which story I'm thinking of, but mm-hmm. I, I want to give some context. The reason I want you to share it is because I think that in general, it's very easy for us to, especially in a climate that feels can feel so overwhelming, for us to go, I can't make a, I can't make a difference. What, what fucking difference does this make? You know. So um, very recently, you, uh, you got, you were able to affect some social change. You were able to get some very clear responses from our city administration, mm-hmm. um, in response to some things that had happened locally. And I just want, mm-hmm. I was hoping maybe you'd be willing to share the details of that story sure. with the audience. Um, it's really not that long of a story. Um, <laughs> Something happened in our community, and specifically, we had some... You can say exactly what it was. Yeah, we had white supremacists yes. meeting very freely yes. in our community, mm-hmm. um, accompanied by political candidates, someone running for Congress. His campaign was involved. Uh, the local uh, parties, you know, these people were involved, and it was in the newspaper. We all, we all you know, we didn't have to be there. We all saw it published in the newspaper. Clear as day, you know, from that article, we saw a whole lot of other BS and, you know. And so for me, I'm sitting back as just a citizen of the Quad Cities, just living here. Um, I know most of my elected officials, if not all. I mean, I probably know all of my elected officials um, from, you know, federal on down. Uh, I know a whole lot of people who run organizations business organizations, philanthropic organizations, all these people that I have worked with even. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I read a lot of stuff about we're, we're welcoming, we're inclusive. But then you have what damn near in my mind was a Klan rally. Mm-hmm. If you actually viewed the videos and things that came out of that, just even if you didn't read the article, just there were video, YouTube videos, everything. This is as clear as day. Yep. Then, and we, and this is, I'm sure not the first time this has happened because these people were very bold in doing this. It yeah. happened at a church yeah. of all places. And so I'm just sitting because I just know in my head after I read this and I see this, I just know I'm going to see response from the powers that be, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's talking about how welcoming and inclusive we want to be. Right. So, of course, we would so answer this. So, of course, yeah. we're going to see yeah. these organizations stand up against this. Of course, we're going to see our elected officials stand up against this at least at the very least i thought in the town it happened in mm-hmm. you know bettendorf i thought at least we're going to see that day goes by maybe i just let a day go by i may not even let a day go by i don't, I don't think know. it was a whole day i don't even know if it was a whole day it probably wasn't <laughs> but i'm waiting for these responses to start trickling in yeah and i'm waiting for press conferences and you know things that i really expected and perhaps my expectations were too high because none of that happened and so again I get I I had actually even been asked to go to the media Mm -hmm. and I said, no, um, I'm not going to do that because I don't I don't really trust. Mm. Um, 
I was asked to go to a, to a certain newspaper, and I said, no, I don't really trust anybody over there. I don't really think my voice is going to uh, be presented the way I want it to be. So I'm going to go to my own platform, which is my website, and I'm going to just write a blog about it. And I'm going to be harsh, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to talk about how I have been working on all these initiatives over the years with these various organizations talking about, oh, you know, the Quad Cities is welcoming and inclusive to all. And But then when you have an opportunity to stand up against the very thing that keeps us from being welcoming and inclusive, which was hate and bigotry, just flat out hate, mm-hmm. flat out racism, flat out xenophobia, mm-hmm. flat out bigotry, you have an opportunity to stand up against this, get on top of it, and they're crickets? Mm-hmm. That just blew my mind, and I got so, there's that, that anger came. Yep. I was seething. I mean, I was hot. I was upset. And so I'm like, you know what? I didn't really expect a lot of reaction. I just, I went and I just started typing, and I put it out there, and I said, you know what? If you're, if these groups, if you're really about what you say you are about, right now you're looking ignorant as hell. Mm-hmm. because you are basically telling these people who brought this filth into our community that it's okay. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. We can go to the Quad Cities anytime. Mm-hmm. They'll, they're, they're fine with us. Mm-hmm. Whereas in communities like Charlottesville, we've seen what happened yep. when these same people, you know, bring that same rhetoric and people lose their lives. Yep. And this is the fear that I have is like people like me, when you get confronted with that type of hate, it's a clash. Somebody could get hurt. Somebody could die. Right. It's happened so much in our nation, but I guess we think it can never happen here. Mm. So um, I put that out there. Um, I was very proud that immediately, because uh, most of my elected officials know how to get in touch with me. I live on the Illinois side in Rock Island. So my alderman got in touch with me. My county board person got in touch with me. My state uh, representative got in touch with me, and they all said, you know what, we are going to say something. It didn't happen in their community, didn't happen on their side of the river, but they agreed with me. Mm -hmm. They agreed that it was really pitiful that, you know, nobody was really speaking out, Mm -hmm. um, and that they said, well, you know, at at least we'll do that. Uh, My county board rep uh, wrote a letter to the editor. Uh, My state rep used his social media, um, and they asked me, you know, what else can we do? And so I said, you know, I'm going to I belong to the NAACP. I belong to different organizations. I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get with them, too, and see, see what they think, because I don't want to just be me, you know, just rambling. So I got uh, with NAACP. They put a statement out, and they also shared my displeasure mm-hmm. with organizations and efforts that even they have signed on to that did not respond. Because, I mean, come on. Of course the black people are going to respond. Right. Of course, the people of color are going to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's all you saw. You saw groups like LULAC, NAACP, you know, you saw those groups respond. Of course, we're going to respond because it's an affront on us. Mm-hmm. But what's up with these white people just sitting back? You say that you hate this type of thing or you say that you don't want it in your community. But when it happens, you don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. So, oh, boy. After I put the blog out there and it was shared. I mean, I can't even remember how many times it was shared, but. On my website, it was viewed probably over 400 times mm. in the course of two days. Mm-hmm. Just with, and I did not expect that. I honestly didn't. But I'm, I was glad because then my phone started ringing. Yep. And my social media started blowing up of, you know, 
CEOs of organizations and different folks saying, oh, we need to meet about this. And, oh, what can we do? And just speak up. That's what you use do. your voice. That's what you. You don't have to meet and have because they right. want to. But then, how many meetings? I have know I so been many to? meetings. How many meetings? And I don't want to go to another damn meeting. We just meet to, to watch this stuff yep. go in circles. Yep. Either you are what you say you are, or you're not. Or you're not. And if you are not, I'm gonna call you out every single time. Don't pretend. <laughs> and, and this is the this is the sentiment that still keeps our community down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say there are some beautiful parts of our community. There's a lot of things here we should be celebrating. But this sentiment of control and this sentiment of them and us, you know, there's still a big sentiment of there's them down there. Mm-hmm. And then there's us. Up here. You know, yeah. there's not that sentiment of um, equality for all or wanting to uh, be inclusive of all. I still see a lot of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that, you know, I continue to fight for. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in this community, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm starting to get the inclination to move on. But um, no matter where I go, I think I will see those things. Probably. And I will see something to fight for. Yeah. Um, I may be, I may see, I may be a little less angry in, a, in, <laughs> in different areas. But honestly, anywhere I go, I'm going to always have uh, a passion for um, being a voice to people who are sometimes voiceless. Because what I can say in this community, I don't really know how, you know, this big black lesbian got accepted into so many circles. But it happened for me, you it know. Did. So I, <laughs> since <laughs> since they let me in the door, many of them regret that now. But <laughs> they'll recover. It's fine. <laughs> they'll, I don't care if they do. Yeah, or not. I know. <laughs> but since you let me in here, yeah, I'm gonna always have something to say. Yeah, if good. I disagree with you, good. I, I I was in an argue with on Facebook with my state senator recently, and I literally had to cuss him out. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. If I am on the other side of an issue and I don't know everything, I'm not right about everything. But if you are going to have an argument with me about uh, freedoms and about uh, what's equal and what's not, <laughs> please be ready for um, I'm coming with honesty. Right. I don't have to sugarcoat it. I don't have to um, water myself down because... It's my life. Yeah. So if you're coming from a place of privilege or if you're coming from a place of being a part of the majority and you're going to try to tell me something about yeah. um, <laughs> equality and you're going to try to tell me something about uh, freedoms, be ready for a very heated discussion because it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. So I don't even care. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You know, e- even in my place of employment, I bring up things and a lot of times I don't get any response. It's crickets. Mm-hmm. But I say, hey. We're doing this video. Did you notice there are no black people in this video? Mm-hmm. Did you notice there are no people of color at all mm-hmm. in this video? And, you know, the video may not get redone, but... <laughs> you said it. But yeah. I said it, and then next time they do it, either don't show me <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> or just know, you know, that that's where I'm coming from. And Which is a really... Uh, the way that you the, the way that you describe the, your experience of taking up space and the way that you do it, I think, is a really important invitation for other people to consider... Um, a similar, a similar invitation, which yes. is, I mean, you really have sort of nailed the unapologetic part of what I talk about. Um, and you said something important. You said I'm not always right. I don't always know everything. No, that's I'm not still your learning. point. I'm still learning. And we all are doing that. And that's where we should all contextualize ourselves is the understanding that we don't know. Uh, I try to come at every situation like that. There's going to mm-hmm. be a million blind spots I'm going to have about yeah. this. 
Um, but sometimes you just know that you know. Yes. <laughs> so don't be afraid and always think that you're not coming from the right space because sometimes sure. you know that you do know. That's true. And, that is and true. You, you have to be bold enough to when you know and you and you have that gut feeling, it's okay to sit back and listen yeah. and and observe and get as many perspectives as you want. Yeah. But when you know and when you have um, any type of passion about something, do not shrink back. And I tell people that all the time. I get people who ask me, they'll text me or they'll get in my inbox and they'll be like, well, I want to say something, but, you know, I, I don't want to offend people mm. or I don't want to, what should I do? I can't tell. I don't know what you should do if you're not going to at least speak up. Because <sighs> if you have nothing else until I go mute, I have a voice. Mm-hmm. And if I go mute or if I go deaf or if I go blind, I will still be able to find a way yeah, to, to co- with technology. Yeah. I will communicate. Yeah. So if you are lucky enough to have your voice and your ears and and you're able to communicate, do it. I think so the difference. So what I'm talking about is that people get paralyzed by the idea that they're not right. Mm. And you're saying I know, but when you, I, I think there's a difference between being obsessed with being right and then just knowing and acting and speaking. And I don't what care you know. who thinks I'm right. Exactly. That's the difference. And I, I do think that particularly in white communities, we do a lot of that, a lot of paralysis around, around the listening to all viewpoints. And, and I, and I think that's fine, but I don't, I think it's led to inaction. And Shut so it the down fact, when it's right, not. Exactly. When it's, when it's and I don't care who thinks I'm right. Yep. If exactly. I'm secure right. in what I'm saying. Yep. And if I'm not secure, I'm not even going to say it. Right. But That's <laughs> your point of discernment. It's yeah. I know it. I've sat back and listened to so all these meetings, I tell you. Yeah. I sit back in these meetings and I listen and I listen and I listen. But again, you let me in here. You let me in the door. <laughs> or maybe you even asked me to come. Yep. So guess what? This is what you get when you let me at the table because I, I refuse to give, to relinquish my voice. Yeah. At this point in my life, I just can't do it because I would be, I'd, I'd kill somebody. Yeah. I'd be angry all the time. Right. And so if I have this anger, I'm going to direct it, and use it. accurately. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use it in the most positive ways and I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for people who are like me and I'm going to fight for people who are unlike me because at the end of the day, as Maya Angelou always said, we're more alike than we are unalike. But you know why we don't know that? Because we don't sit with each other and we don't speak up and we don't uh, we don't have that interchange. Yeah. You know, I have organizations who will ask me to come. They already have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and they just want me to carry their plan out into my space, of course. my space of the world. Of course. And it's like, no, nah, how about who, who, who did this? Yeah. We weren't invited to the table to make the plan, but you want us to accept your plan and you want us to be the carriers of your plan because you won't even walk your own ass into my community. Yeah. So you think I just carry, you know, just get one person to take it out there for me. No, no, no. You come over here and see how much success you have. You're going to have absolutely none. Yeah. And that's what has happened time and time again. And some people still haven't learned that lesson because they don't have relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember telling a group of white men once and they were asking, well, how do we get into the black community? And how do we get these messages out? How many black people do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about for real. I'm not talking about somebody who may work for you or somebody who um, you, you just, you know, somebody like me, you see, you speak to. How many black people do you really know? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know anything about their histories? Do you have a relationship with? That's the key word. Relationship. relationship. Right. Do you go and build relationships with people 
who are unlike you. Mm-hmm. You know, how many um, how many black people, a lot of times I do ask them how many black people work for them. Yeah. If they're in like a CEO or if they're in a position of being able to affect that. And I, I look at the looks on their faces, you know, and I say, well, there's your problem. Yeah. You deal, you deal with my community the same way you deal with your own. Yeah. You build relationships within your own community. Y'all all go to coffee together. Y'all all play golf together. You all, you know, you're at each other's homes. You, you build friendships. And then you have each other's back at the end of the day. We do the same thing in my community. Right. So if you want to build a relationship, build it. <laughs> come and come over. Come on over. Right. Do you support our events? Right. Do you support our businesses? Do you support our causes? Do you speak up when people are threatening mm-hmm. who we are? Mm-hmm. Like right. you know, the white supremacists yeah. in Bendorf, or are you just sitting back waiting for us to to do it? So that again. I'm probably getting off it's on a okay. tangent, but... Well, I was just going to say that Brandy and I did end up way off script. We and did. I'm sorry. No, you don't need to apologize. In fact, please don't apologize. I hope I, you're getting some good, we have, usable content. We have a lot of usable content. We have things that are important. This probably was not what this was going to be about. No, it's, it's okay. I invited you to tell it that way yeah. because one of the things that I... Part of what I want to be intentional about in this platform is that I don't want to tell a I don't want to have a white storytelling collective. I'm not yeah. interested in that. So, and I'm I'm not interested in a straight storytelling collective. Yeah. You know, all yeah. these all these things. So, perspective is wonderful. Yes, it is. Cuz we are all again at the end of the day inside our hearts most of us are more alike than we are, we are. unalike. But yeah. there is a fear of the unknown. Yeah. And um if some sometimes you can't help the way you're raised, you can't help uh, where you where you come from, if you are have never been exposed um, to certain uh, types of uh, people or you've never been exposed to certain segments of the community. But when you develop your own sense of who you are, you know, you got to really dig down into your own heart, into your own mind. And and that's what I had to do to figure out, you know, who, who do I want to be? Yeah. You know, do I want to be this person that just kind of cares about myself and cares about my, because I'm comfortable. Um, Like I said, I've come to the Quad Cities. I have, I don't know how it happened, but I was able to navigate into some spaces where nobody who looks like me or is uh, how I am, I've been able to get into those spaces. But once I'm there, I had a responsibility. I had to speak up for people who never, ever get to be in those spaces. spaces. And I tried also to bring a lot of people along with me, too, and put them into um, spaces and situations where they could affect change. Yeah. I want to, even though we ended up, like, not answering a lot of the questions, which is fine, I wanted (laughs) us to have this conversation, I do want to end with the one that I think is really important because we have a lot of listeners who, um, well, I think everybody has something in them to do, to make, to be. I think your realization of that in your mid-20s was was. It's a really common story to go at some point you wake up and go, oh, shit, I got to do something mm-hmm. with this. It's not enough. Not right. So Just existing is not enough. Yes. And I think he, most humans end up in that position. And I know for sure the audience that's drawn to this kind of work definitely has something in them to be made. And so what I'd like to invite you to do is just share with them what it is you want them to know about themselves, about creating, making, doing, being a force in the world mm-hmm. for good. What do you want to leave them with, Brandy? Uh, it doesn't really matter um, what your outside looks like. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're black or if you're white or whatever color, whatever nationality or race you may be. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter if you're a man or if you're a woman. 
you have a voice, uh, if nothing else, and literally or figuratively, you are able to affect change, whether it be on a small scale or a large scale, right where you are. You do not have to have a bully pulpit. Mm -hmm. You can have your platform exactly where you are. If you're a mother, if you're a father, if you are single, if you work outside the home, if you work inside the home, find your voice and use it. Um, I think that we spend a lot of time worried about will the world ever change, Mm -hmm. but you could actually be a part of the change. Mm -hmm. You could actually be instituting the change. Challenge your, your, your thought processes. Challenge the way you think. If you're if you're sitting back and you're too you're just too comfortable with things or you're you're starting to get desensitized, mm-hmm. challenge the way you think and find it could just be one area of life that you're passionate about and take that and use your voice. And don't be afraid. I think fear paralyzes so many of us. Yeah, it does. And I fall victim still to fear. Yeah. To, you know, not too often, but <laughs> I still do at times. I, I, I fear more. I, I think I fear more of, of not doing. But um, mm. don't don't let fear paralyze you. You know, when you start speaking up for um, things, call it controversial or whatever, or societal things, yeah, you're going to you're going to rub people the wrong way. Um, if, if you're not, you're probably not speaking loud enough. You mm-hmm. may lose some friends. I have. You know, I um, I don't care. You know, if, if I'm challenged on something that I know that I'm on the right side of, if you're on the other side, you're probably not my friend anyway. Right. Uh, so I would just say everybody has a contribution to make. Don't feel small. Don't feel insignificant. Don't let society or the world at large show you a picture of yourself that you're not. Um, if I let the world define me, um, Audre Lorde famously said, and I'm very loosely quoting, you know, I'd be eaten alive. If I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crushed and eaten alive. Um, if I looked out into the world the way the world displays people like me, I would, I would feel insignificant hmm. because I feel like that's what the world wants me to think. Mm-hmm. The world wants me to stay in my place. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. So I, I would just give that advice. Don't uh, don't ever think that your contribution is too small. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have gifts, mm-hmm. and we all have um, that inner voice telling us, um, you know, there's something that needs to change. So figure out, you know, figure out what that is for yourself, and 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 define yourself. Yeah, and use your voice to do it. Use your voice. If not, that's what I tell people all the time. I don't have anything else. I got that. I got my voice, and I don't even care if anybody's listening, but. Well, I have it. <laughs> we are listening, so thank you. For I hope sharing. somebody listens to no, this. No, <laughs> somebody will listen to this. Uh, so thank you, really, sincerely, thank you for um, your voice and who you Likewise. are and the way that you show up. I am um, profoundly grateful for every moment that brought us to this moment, but I'm particularly grateful for the time we spent together tonight. So thank you for joining me, and I can't wait to see what you do next. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Brandy. All right, friends, that's it for today. This episode is brought to you from the sound studios at Silver Oaks Communications, a creative media company in Moline, Illinois. It's edited and produced by Archie Kukarans and created by me, Sarah Stevens, the founder of The Beautiful Project. 
If you loved this episode, make sure you subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review so that other people will know how to find us. Thank you for being with us today and lending your voice to our course of courage as we create a world where women belong with substance and with strength. <laughs>